0: Minnesota. I'm excited to be here. With that being said, you know, I'm I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of head coach of the uh Minnesota Works. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's gotta get it in place. Welcome back to the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and we want to remind everybody that we have joined the Off The Ball Network, so we really appreciate wherever you are accessing us from, whether it's Nothing But Net, whether it's in podcast form on any of the podcast websites, you may listen. You can also check out all the other great shows on Off The Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com, and you can check out all that coverage, whether it's articles, other podcasts, radio shows, we have everything on OffTheBallNetwork.com, including coverage of all different sports. A reminder that we are sponsored by BetUS. BetUS is the newest sponsor of the Off The Ball Network. They have the fastest payouts in the industry and offer a 125% sign-up bonus when you use promo code OFFTHEBALL, in all caps, at sign-up. Head over to BetUS.com to sign up today. Again, that's BetUS.com, promo code BALL in all caps. Unlike all the other bars out there that taste either like old Play-Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a built Bar, you will think you are cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids find out how good these are, you're going to have to buy more because they will be begging for them. They have great flavors such as cookies and cream, double chocolate, strawberry, Peanut butter brownie, and much more. Use the code off the ball in all caps at checkout to get a 10% discount at built.com. Again, that's off the ball all caps at checkout to get a 10% discount at built.com. Talk Timberwolves. It is about time as we have been on a long hiatus here on The Howl. Welcome back to The Howl and welcome back to Dash Radio. We have lots to touch on as it is the coming of the end of the season for not only the Timberwolves but the entire NBA and the Wolves for the first time in what feels like a long time because, let's just face it, aside from the Jimmy Butler year, which I think we're all trying to forget, it has been far too long since this team was good. It has been far too long since this team was truly competitive, and I feel like this is the team that we've all been waiting for for far too long and it's not one thing it's many things it's the addition of it's the addition of let's let's go from the top right it's the addition of patrick beverly it's the malik beasley shooting seeming to come around a little more than it had been there are so many things piling up that make this team competitive one of those things i'll tell you right now that is not helping us is the play of our backup center Nas reed we'll get into that a little bit lots to touch on again in this week. So coming up, we have the big game. I mean, this is the game of the season. The play-in tournament is upon us. We are taking on Tuesday night, 8:30 Central Standard Time at the Target Center. The Wolves currently the seventh seed, taking on the Clippers. Winner is going to be the seventh seed, and the loser is going to take on either the Pelicans or the Spurs for that eight seed, as that's how the play-in tournament works. So that's the things to keep in mind. I don't know how you guys feel. I tweeted about this recently from my personal account. I hope you do follow me at the Sports Min on Twitter. But the the thing I wanted to touch on with the play in tournament is here's my problem. And I actually had an argument with a few Wolves fans and a few NBA fans uh, throughout this last week about how the play in is set up. And here's my issue: if you want to have the play in, that's fine. I can't say I 100% agree. I guess I don't have a problem with the concept of the plan. I just don't like how they set it up. There should be some sort of a limit as to how far you can move up. If you're 10 games, 15 games, however many games back, why are you given the opportunity to steal? And I think 100% steal is the correct word. Why are you given the opportunity to steal someone else's well-earned spot? With one win. That's it. One game. All it takes is one game. It, it To me, it invalidates the entire regular season. I don't know how you can watch the play-in tournament and, and not have a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth if you're a Timberwolves fan. Now, granted, the Clippers are pretty close, right? The, the Clippers, sti- you know, they're not a bad team. Clippers are a very good team. And in fact a team that the Wolves have struggled with consistently throughout this season. And that's obviously, as a Wolves fan, that's part of my issue, correct? But at the same time, if you're not relatively close, you shouldn't be involved in this. So in this instance, if you told me that the Wolves and the Spurs were at, or sorry, if the Wolves were going to be taking on the Clippers, which they are, right? And if you told me it was a, a smaller difference between the Wolves, the Clippers, and those next two teams, let's say the Spurs and let's say the Pelicans were within five games of us. That's one thing, right? To me, five games seems like a a pretty good cutoff if you have to do the play-in tournament. But this idea that these teams can be as many games back as they want, but as long as they're sitting in that nine spot and that 10 spot, they have an opportunity to make the playoffs, I think that's completely ridiculous. Again, it completely invalidates, to me, the regular season, Why I would actually go a step further. Why does the seventh seed need to be involved in this at all? Why not just take the eight seed? That's it, just the eight seed. And if you want to say, look, the nine and the 10 teams play great, go right ahead. If you want to do that, that's fine. But the seventh seed, why do they have to be involved in this? I don't, I don't know. I guess overall, I just have a really big problem with the way this is set up. The Wolves were, you know, the better team just in terms of record. And granted, it wasn't like a million games. And granted, again, the Clippers played us very well. In fact, if you wanted to tell me the Clippers dominated the Wolves this season, I'm fine with that. But the idea that they can just show up, win one game, and move in front of us, even though we had the better regular season, that doesn't sit well with me. And I would guess most Wolves fans probably agree with this. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's that's where I'm at. I, I, have, a, I have an issue with this. So we'll see what happens. You got a chance, right? I saw somebody had done the statistics. I think we're 87%. I think it's an 87% chance to make the playoffs. I mean, granted, if you if you include the play in, if you count that as the playoffs, we're already in, right? I don't, I don't think most people would count that. It's a big game Tuesday night, but 87% that we're either going to win game one or game two. They're both home games, obviously. Win game one, that's it. You're the seventh seed. You're done. You lose game one. I think uh, you're going into that second game. I would be pretty surprised if you weren't playing the Pelicans. I don't know that, obviously, for sure, because it's not decided yet. But to me, it seems it seems fairly, fairly highly probable, I guess, that we're going to be playing the Pelicans in that second game if we're going to play in that second game. Pelicans, another team that we just don't play well against. I don't know what it is. Well... That's not true. I do kind of know what it is. It's just the makeup of their roster. They've they've got some guys on their team that just seem to have our number. Same can be said with the Clippers. Think back to the Clipper games this season and how incredibly good Paul George was. So good. And now you're going to add in Norman Powell to that mix on top of the fact that the Clippers just have a number of other players. Zubats is another player that just always seems to have our number. Certain players in this league just have a way of of beating the Timberwolves, of, of playing better than the Timberwolves do. These are all things that, to me, are, are pretty important. So you have an opportunity, yes, to make the playoffs, but you might have to go through uh, Kryptonite Game 1 and Kryptonite Game 2. We're sitting here with Superman, and we're playing some teams that really just have our number. And it's unfortunate. It really is. I don't know what the answer is going to be for us, but Tuesday night's going to be huge. And I will say this. The one positive here is if you do beat the Clippers, and it's very feasible you could beat the Clippers. The Wolves are going to have a great home crowd at the Target Center. Things are going to be electric in the building, and you got to come out if you're the Wolves playing well. And if you win that game, to me, it is the ultimate confidence boost going into uh, another series. And who wouldn't... I'll say this. I actually am probably in the minority here. I don't hate Either of the one or two matchups. I'm not saying we're a favorite by any means. I'm not saying I'm predicting that we're gonna win those series, but we've played the Suns and we've played the Grizzlies well. Granted, they don't they haven't always been healthy in some of those matchups, so there's things to consider when you're when you're thinking about that. But ultimately, I don't hate those two matchups. And it's gonna be a competitive series. We're talking, I think it easily goes uh 6 if not 7 games. Uh, probably more likely 6. But I do think we're going to be competitive outside chance to win. That's where I sit right now. Again, a lot of it depends on on health. We need guys to be healthy for anyone that has not paid attention. So we do have another game coming up against the Bulls to end the season. Game means absolutely nothing to us. I I don't know for sure there might be some playoff implications in terms of seeding for the Bulls, but I don't think so. For the most part it's a pretty worthless game. It would be different had the Wolves not absolutely collapsed at home to the Wizards. I mean, we got absolutely blown out earlier in the week against the Wizards. At home, mind you. If that doesn't make you worry a little bit about things to come, I don't know what does. And so, as a Wolves fan, uh, I look at that game, and if you win that game, of course, now this last game matters, right? That That could make a difference. But you didn't, and it doesn't. Doesn't matter. doesn't matter what happens with Denver. Now, again, it's probably not going to make a difference. Denver's probably going to win. The Lakers are missing pretty much everybody. Well, maybe not everybody. I think Anthony Davis is still playing. But LeBron's out for the season. There's just, there's just nothing there. The NBA's probably not thrilled with how this ended up working out because they probably would have loved the ratings and, and the boost that you could get from having those Sunday games matter. But it's not the end of the world. You're still in a good spot and you've got to. I wonder how they're going to address this game. When I look at when I look at the this end of the season here, are the Wolves going to try to maintain a little bit of rhythm, have some positive momentum going into the end of the season? Or I should say going into the the play in tournament. I know D'Angelo Russell's not gonna playing that game there were reports today that he is suffering from a non-COVID illness rest up DLO let's hope you get back for that playing game I saw someone recently I had commented on this and then I saw a response on Twitter where someone said it's a non-COVID illness they'll be fine well we don't know that because it's not like there's one non-COVID illness out there and and we know exactly how long it's going to last that's not how that works with illnesses I have no idea what it is let's hope it's I don't know Food poisoning or something like that where it's you know a 24-hour type bug and he's fine. I also don't want to think about what could happen if more players on the team are infected and all of a sudden you, everything changes. So bottom line is you got to be healthy. You've got Jaden McDaniels back, which is huge. I do think he's a little bit banged up, but Patrick Beverly is going to be fine or at least relatively fine health-wise for that play-in game. D'Angelo Russell... He's got a little bit of that Joe Maurer syndrome going on, the bilateral leg weakness, uh, bilateral something. He's got something going on there, and I don't know exactly. It doesn't To me, it doesn't seem like it's anything too serious. It's more of a, you kind of got to play through it, and that happens. I think a lot of players in the league right now are going through stuff like that. Some of them we probably just don't know about. The Wolves have had the, if you want to call it a benefit, of these last few games not necessarily mattering, and so we have been able to let DeAndre Russell or Patrick Beverly, we have been able to let some guys sit out a little bit. And I think that that can definitely help in terms of making sure guys are at least as healthy as can be going into that playing game. Something that just happened recently that I know a lot of Wolves fans have been wanting or clamoring for, and we just haven't been able to pull it off given this player was, whether he was on 10 days on their teams, whether he was just not in the cards financially, just because of where we were at in terms of the salary cap and the luxury tax and how close we were to that, is uh, the newest addition. And this is not a 10-day contract. This is a rest-of-the-season contract, and that is Greg Monroe is going to be here for the rest of the season. Maybe longer than that, who knows? Uh, But as of right now, it's just a a small contract for the veteran minimum, which is prorated. And that's exactly why we were able to do that and able to bring him in. So moving on from there, it's nice to have him. By the way, the reason why it was important to get a player like him is because Nathan Knight's not playoff eligible. He is on a two-way contract. Two-way players are not eligible for the playoffs. Now, if you're looking specifically at Greg Monroe, the reason that Greg Monroe is actually available to play in the playoffs is because he did not sign a contract and then get waived. He only signed 10-day contracts, which then would have lapsed. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And I think it's something that's fairly important, just in the grand scheme of things, on how this all came about. There is a, for anyone that doesn't know this, there is a waiver deadline. So there is a deadline where a player can be waived. If a player is not waived before that deadline, they are waived after it, then they are not playoff eligible. A good example of that is James Johnson. James Johnson goes from playing 25 plus minutes a night for the Nets. To now not being playoff eligible, kind of a dick move, but it's the Nets and it is what it is, right? You know they've got the the head of the dicks on their team, Kevin Durant, a player who I have not been shy about. I'm not a fan of. Great player, fantastic player. I'm not taking away anything from him as a player. Just not a big fan of him as a person. Just not a big fan of just the way he handles himself. It's lots of things. I'm not going to get into that. I've talked about it before on this show. Doesn't really matter. It's not necessarily germane here, but. That is uh, the best, most recent example is James Johnson, who was waived and is now not playoff eligible. Obviously, if you're the Wolves, you would have loved to have been able to grab a guy like James Johnson. If he was waived earlier in the season, and then if he had cleared waivers, I absolutely think you would have looked at him, and he would have been a great addition to this team, could have helped in the playoffs, would have been huge. But instead, now he's just sitting on the sidelines. No one's going to bring him in because they can't. Really unfortunate for him. But I love the addition of Greg Monroe. For anyone that does not remember, Greg Monroe was very, very good for the Wolves in his first stint this season. A lot to like about him. One, one issue I had during his time here was not with him, actually, but it was with Chris Finch. For anyone that listens to this show, especially back then, I know. Greg Monroe looked really, really good for the Timberwolves. And then he didn't play in some games where I felt that was a mistake. I have not been shy about my criticisms of Nas Reed. I like him as a player decently. I like him as a person a lot, but he has real shortcomings. Keep in mind, he was undrafted. Now, given where he's at currently, would he have been drafted? I think so. I think that's that's exactly what you think. You know, he was able to put in the time, lost some weight, really put in the time to get better at three-point shooting. The one thing he cannot do, can't rebound. How can you be a center in this league, starter or otherwise, and not be able to rebound the basketball? And he can't do it. On top of that, he's a foul machine. He also doesn't seem to understand what a foul is. Over the last week, how many times have we seen him complain to an official only to have Finch or D'Angelo Russell or whoever jump in and go, dude, you fouled him. It was a foul. I don't know what you're complaining about. It was the right call. So things like that, you see that and you just get a little bit frustrated with uh, Nas Reed, and so I like the addition of, I like the addition of Greg Monroe. Whether they use him or not remains to be seen. I do expect him to get some decent minutes in the game tomorrow against the Bulls, and that's one of the main reasons I'm going to watch. I would love to see Greg Monroe be productive and at least just get himself a little more familiarized with the team again, with some of the players, with some of the systems. I mean, I don't have any concerns with Greg Monroe. But it's just nice to give him a little bit of a refresher course and and get him playing before the playoffs because he might be needed. In that first stint, the game specifically that I remember being frustrated by was when you're playing Mitchell Robinson and the Knicks. I would have absolutely played Carl Towns or sorry, I would have absolutely played Nas Reed, and we didn't do it. I was very frustrated in that in that instance. So, time will tell, and a lot of it's gonna. What are we gonna see when we get into these playoffs? You know, we've seen. You know Nas Reed when it's coming when you're playing a guy like Valanciunas when you're playing a guy like I mean any any number of true centers in this league and Nas Reed gets absolutely destroyed he just does he can't do it he can't handle it I will give Nas credit where credits due he has become a better defender I do think that's a little bit of a low bar and I do think you know fairness and conversation act the one thing that I have to you know put out there is I do think that Nas Reed gets a little bit of an unfortunate whistle at times. Not Maybe not as much this season, but in the past seasons, I know there were a number of fouls he'd get called for where I'd kind of feel frustrated for him because I feel like he would get called for fouls that I don't think were fouls. That was one of those things where maybe that's part of the reason he got to where he is now, where he complains too much. People want to also bring up, of course, well, Carl Towns sets that example. That's a slippery slope for me because I do think Towns, despite the fact that he complains a lot, does at least try to hold himself together, and then eventually he just comes off the rails most games. But Nas Reed, the moment he gets in there, he just seems frustrated. And part of the reason I think he's frustrated is because he gets dominated out there. He can't rebound the basketball. So you jump in the playoffs here. I like having Greg Monroe, whether it's for injuries, whether it's for foul concerns, because both Nas Reed and Carl Towns getting into foul concerns, or whether it's matchup-based. Maybe you look and you say, all right, Nas... In the first half of this game, you're getting destroyed. We're going to take a break from you. We're going to give Greg Monroe a chance to step in there and grab some rebounds, play some defense, and pass the basketball. Because for anyone that doesn't remember this, Greg Monroe was really, really good as a passer in his first stint with the Wolves. There's a lot to like there. Uh, I want to transition from specifically Wolves talk, and let's take a look at the playoff picture and get get some predictions out there because I do think there's going to be some really, really fun and really exciting playoff series here in the NBA this season. We'll start with the Eastern Conference, and then we'll go down that list, to go over some of the play-in scenarios, and then we will jump into the Western Conference scene and kind of go from there. Listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel, this is The Howell, your source for all things Timberwolves, here on Dash Radio. As seen on ABC Shark Tank and invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, Ice Shaker received offers from all five sharks on the show. Kitchen-grade, insulated, stainless steel that will keep your drinks cold and won't absorb odor like a plastic shaker bottle does. Created by the Gronk Brothers, for anyone living an active and healthy lifestyle, the Ice Shaker is perfect for every drink, not just protein shakes. The patented twist in agitator will break up any powders, but also works as a strainer to make sure you always get the perfect pour use promo code off the ball in all caps and help out the network. Again, that's SH- Ice Shaker and you can use the promo code off the ball in all caps. Visit iceshaker.com. All right, let's jump back in here and take a look at the playoff scenarios starting off with the Eastern Conference. So, the Miami Heat, they have clinched the number 1 seed. Of course, we don't know who they're going to play. That's going to be decided when it comes to the play-in tournament. Let's look at it this way. There's no guarantee that Miami has the one seed wins, and I think that's fair, because you look at, first of all, I'm a Jimmy Butler hater. I always will be from this point on. Well, I guess not from this point on, but you know what I mean. Uh, I definitely am at this point, point. and in the future, nothing's changing. Then you jump into that two slot. You have the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, as it stands right now, Nets Bucks is the potential series that we could be looking at here. Now, Milwaukee, you know, they just had a nice win against Detroit. So they are currently one game in front of the Celtics. And then you have the so Celtics at three, and then the Sixers at four. But they actually, the Sixers are not close enough. They cannot move up when you're looking at the tiebreaker and such. So it could end up being Bucks and Celtics uh, being tied. And then at that point, the Celtics... They are the team, they would have the, the edge on that tiebreaker. Now, if it goes to head-to-head, then you're looking at, they say, the I think the first tiebreaker, so Boston, Milwaukee, that's 2-2, two to two, and there's many different tiebreakers. So you start at, when they look at the tie, they say, this is the first tiebreaker, and then it starts to move down from there. So the next tiebreaker would be division winner, and right now, both those teams are division winners. And then you go to conference record. Boston is sitting at 33 and 19 uh, when you're talking specifically the East, and the bucks are 33 and 18. So And they each actually have one Eastern Conference team to play left on their schedule. So let's look at how this could work out. So Milwaukee plays Cleveland, a game which I think they definitely can win, probably should win, and then there wouldn't actually be a tiebreaker, because then you'd have Milwaukee would have the better record. Now, if Milwaukee was to lose to Cleveland, you then have Boston, who's going to play Memphis. And just like that, you're 33-19, and both teams tied. And then you jump into the fourth tiebreaker, which which is pretty crazy. And I don't actually know how often it has gone to a fourth tiebreaker. That would be kind of an interesting statistic uh, to look up. I'm not even sure where you would look that up. All right, so then you're talking about, again, the fourth tiebreaker. Which is record against Eastern Conference playoff specifically teams, so not just Eastern Conference in general. Now we're talking specifically playoff teams, and in that instance, Boston is the better team, 20 and 13 versus Milwaukee sitting at 17 and 15. So, and again, that would all depend on how that game with Cleveland goes. So, it, the whole thing is just kind of convoluted. Now that's it. There's two a two way tie. If you look at three way tiebreakers, things just change a little bit, and it is technically possible then you actually look at the tiebreaker criteria is actually division winners first and that's how you get Philadelphia removed uh, you know in that scenario you're not considering them anymore because immediately they get taken out and then Boston wins the Atlantic division better division record and then of course you're looking at Milwaukee you're looking at Boston and we we go back into that whole scenario again as we as we look at how those teams did. So ultimately a three way tiebreaker isn't really going to make a difference. And that's why Philadelphia is stuck in that four spot. So as of right now, it does look it I would say if I was if I was a betting man and for anyone that knows me I am, I would definitely put my money on the Bucks getting the two seed, and then you're sitting with Boston at three and Philadelphia at four. And how can we just talk about this? I would actually I think it's a pretty good argument that the two, three, and four teams are all better than the first seed. If I was putting money down on any of these teams, I'm not putting it down in Miami to come out of the East. But if you're talking the 2-3 and the 4, any one of those teams I think could, could easily come out of the East. I'm not saying the Heat can't do it. I just like other teams better. That's where I'm at, personally. So 3-Boston, then you move on to the Sixers. They are sitting... And Oh, by the way, which I guess we should go over some of the other matchups here or what could be the potential matchup. So if things went right now, it would be... So the first round matchup for the Bucks, it all depends on the play-in tournament, right? So at the two, they'd be taking on either the Nets or the Cavs, depending on who wins. And then, that, to me, if you look at that, now, I'll say this. A lot of what's going to happen with the Cavaliers depends on how healthy they are. They've had a rough season in terms of health. Nobody's denying that. You lose Ricky Rubio early on, one of my all-time favorite players, really unfortunate. They end up having to trade him just to make some moves work. The Cavaliers could win some games, but ultimately I do think that the Cavaliers are pretty set in stone just because of their lack of depth now at this point. And given the the roster makeup and the injuries they have, I'll be pretty shocked if the Cavaliers can, can win a game. Not that they... Not that they can't win a game in the play-in. I'm just saying I don't think they're going to win a series. That's a better way to put it. All right, so moving on then, we look at, let's say Boston is ends up being at number three. They would be taking on the Bulls because, of course, the play-in tournament does not make a difference in this instance. And I, man, there was a time where you were watching the Bulls and you thought, man, they look good. They had some players. They had really played some amazing basketball to start of the season. And they just have not been able to overcome, for good reason, losing two of their best players. They've been without Alex Caruso for much of the season due to a, a fairly dirty play. And then you obviously have the most recent news about Lonzo Ball. He's going to be done for the season. Those are huge losses. Bottom line, I don't think it's going to be much of a series, unfortunately. I'm a huge DeMar DeRozan fan. How can you not be? I'm a huge Lacavine fan, Right. There's so many players in this team that I like, but they just don't have the depth at this point. And with the injuries taken into account, I think that's a fairly easy series win for the Celtics and really for any team that would end up taking them on. I don't think there's much to really look at there. So uh, the 76ers, let's just say we'll slot them in at four. They'd be taking on the Raptors. I think that's a pretty good series. And I would have no issue taking the Raptors in this one. When you talk about Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid's a very good player. Do I like him? I do not. Add him to the list of players that I am not a fan of. And of course, a lot of it comes down to his interactions with Carl Towns. But there's more to it than that. I don't like the way he plays, just in terms of a lot of his game rides on his ability to draw fouls. And I wouldn't even call it necessarily an ability, because if you watch him consistently, he gets a lot of really friendly whistles. And so does... And this is on both ends of the court. So we're talking offense and defense. He doesn't get called for a lot of his fouls. And he gets just the friendliest whistle. Case in point, the game today, 40 and 20, fantastic game, right? But he went to the line 15 times. I did not watch that game. It's very possible that every one of those was a great call. It's very possible that he looked really good. All these things are possible. I, I understand all of that. My only point is it's not for me. Whether it's him, whether it's James Harden, I'm not a big fan of either of those players or the way they play. Just their reliance on getting to the free throw line. It bugs me. I don't like it. And you look at the Raptors. I am a huge Raptors fan because they have so many players that I like. Whether it's OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam's a solid player, Minnesota's own Gary Trent Jr. There's so many guys to like on this team. Chris Boucher. There's guys on this team, and they play well against Joel Embiid. And at this exact moment, I would pick the Raptors. That would be my pick here. I would say the Raptors win this series. Let's take a look a little bit more at the Raptors. They'd be the five seed, of course, four versus five. And uh, Raptors actually lead the season series two to one. And they do actually have uh, one head-to-head game remaining. I kind of wonder how that game gets played, what what the strategy is there. If you're the 76ers, you can't really move, right? So do you really want to lose momentum going into the playoffs to the team you're going to be facing? I don't know how that works. If you're the Raptors, what do you do? You also don't want to give anything away this close to the playoffs. Granted, they've played each other. They know each other pretty well in terms of being each other's opponents. I just find it interesting, and I'm I'm very curious how that ends up playing out. So we'll see there. But ultimately, right now, I would pick the Raptors to win that series. And then we jump into the Bulls. We're talking about them at six. I have them losing that first series. I just, you know, it's interesting. Chicago actually, if you look at kind of where they're at they're locked into that six seed but if you look at teams that they're around they've been pretty good against toronto for example but i don't think ultimately it's really not going to matter and we jump into the the playing teams we'll start with uh the current seven seed and that is the brooklyn nets brooklyn nets have been very up and down brooklyn nets are a very good example of my problem with the play-in tournament just um now granted they moved i should say they could they they could be but you're talking about how about this they're the seventh seed, right? Let's say they lose their first game and then they take that eight seed. And now they're taking on the Heat. Are you telling me the Nets couldn't beat the Heat? Uh, they absolutely could. I think the Heat, or I think the Nets, just given who they have on their team, they could absolutely beat almost anybody. Now, what's going to happen too if, if they have um, other additions to the team? Now, we know Ben Simmons is not going to play through the play in tournament after that. I have not seen updates that have said he's out for the season. And maybe I missed something. Although, why don't we do this? I'm going to take a look right now. There's been, um, you know, some recent activity talking about Ben Simmons, and oh, the recent rumor is that he might miss the entire postseason for the Nets. That's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for the Nets. Ben Simmons has got a lot going on there, and again, I've said it before. I just don't really care for the Nets. I don't. I'm not a Kevin Durant fan, so sorry. I, I just don't feel bad for you, and it, it is what it is. But it sounds like, uh, at least right, as of right now, Ben Simmons probably not going to play. So that, that can make a difference, right? But now you're still talking Kevin Durant. You're still talking Kyrie Irving. These are really good players. These are guys that on any given night can win you basketball games. That's, you know, that's where you're at with that. And if I was to put some money down on this one, I would say, I think I'd go with the Nets. I think I would. If the Nets were the 8 seed taking on the Heat, I would go with the Nets if they end up at the 7 seed, uh, honestly i wouldn't trust them. i think uh, whoever you have end up sitting at the 2 seed, let's say it's the Bucs as currently as it currently sits, it's the bucks. i'm taking the bucks in that series. i absolutely am. so a lot of that and now now if you're the nets, where do you want to where do you want to be? like do you want to be the 7? would you prefer to be the 8? that's an interesting to me, that's an interesting question. I don't know where they end up up eventually falling. I don't know what their opinion is there. And maybe maybe that's been reported somewhere and I haven't seen it. But if I'm the Nets, I'd much rather play the Heat. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm downplaying the Heat. Maybe the Heat are better than I'm giving them credit for. But as of right now, I just don't see it. So we'll have them. Again, right now they're sitting at that 7th spot. We do have another scenario where we can jump into talking about the tiebreakers. Obviously, we talked about how the Nets beat the Cavs. Puts them in the 7th spot. Now, here's the deal. Nets are tied with Cleveland, but they own the tiebreaker. And then if you look at each team having one game remaining, if the here's a good scenario. If the Nets can win the game they have on Sunday against Indiana, or if the Cavs and Hornets both lose their final game, then the Nets will be that 7th seed. Let's just say that's where we're going to keep it. So Nets at the 7th spot, and then you have the Cavaliers. They'd be sitting at number eight. To me, it's it's that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have the Nets beating the Cavs, and then the Cavs are gonna have to play in that matchup against the 9-10 team. And I'll tell you right now, I it's all gonna depend on the health of the Cavaliers, but I could absolutely see either the Hawks or the Charlotte Hornets winning that game. And I actually think as of right now, the Cavaliers miss the playoffs. Or they miss, you know, staying in the playoffs. Again, this goes back to do you think the play-in is considered part of the playoffs? Personally, I don't know. I'm not sure i buy it. So at that point, as much as I dislike the Miami Heat, let's be honest, they're going to win any of the matchups that they have, I I think, against both the Hornets or if they end up playing against Atlanta. And in fact, let's just put it right here. If we're making predictions, I'm going to project, so you have the seven seeds going to be the Heat, or sorry, the 7th seed is going to be the Nets, and then the 8th seed is going to end up eventually being the Hornets. That's my pick. I'm going to put the Hornets there. I'm a huge LaMelo Ball fan. I I think everyone knows that at this point. Although, again, shouldn't have been Rookie of the Year. I got to say that, but he's, he's a fantastic player, has really changed the direction of that franchise. And a few more pieces, man, I think that team could eventually be a contender. Time will tell on that, but that's where I think it's going to work out, and that's how it's going to to me, I think that makes the most sense. So then if we if we go into what happens from there, who are the teams that are going to make it out after that, right? Let's let's move into I guess you could look at the second the second round of the brackets if you will. So let's break it down piece by piece. So we're talking the Heat, they're going to move on. Suns are going to move on. Sorry T-Wolves fans, but let's be real. If the Wolves are playing the Suns, I do think that the Wolves can make it to you know, a six-game or seven-game series, potentially. Is it out of the realm of possibility that they win? No, it's possible, I guess, technically, but I'm sorry, I just can't see it. So we're going to have the Wolves, if they end up as the eighth seed, I don't think they're going to make it in. That's where I sit with that. But my official prediction, I'm going to say this. I think the Wolves are going to beat the Clippers because I'm just going to be positive here. I'm going to have faith. And not only are they going to beat the Clippers, I think, and this is my prediction, I think the Wolves are going to upset the Grizzlies. I think the Wolves are going to... Get that 7 seed, and I think they are going to upset the Grizzlies in, um, man, likely 7 games, maybe 6. That's where my prediction is there. So I think the Wolves are going to move on there. And then you look at Warriors taking on the Nuggets. That's such a weird series, and I don't know what that's going to look like. I guess I haven't heard. Is, is Steph Curry going to be back for that? That's an interesting question. Let me look this up. Because if Steph Curry's back... That obviously changes things somewhat, but also, let's remember, you're still looking at all-star Andrew Wiggins, quote-unquote, who, let's be real, we already understand that he didn't deserve to be an all-star. We get that. At least not an all-star starter by any stretch of the imagination, but he has not been good at all. So uh, let's keep that in mind. So is Steph Curry going to be coming back? As far as, uh, you know, he's got that injury. You know, I'm not seeing any sort of reports about this. Although, I'll tell you one thing. It's kind of funny. There's a report that he, that Steph Curry threw his phone after losing a a video game, which is kind of interesting. By the way, how about this? Jordan Poole, when Steph Curry hasn't played this season, that's 14 games. This is a pretty, uh, what a stat line. 27 points per game, 5.2 assists, 4.7 rebounds, 0.8 steals, or .8 stocks, and then 61% true shooting. 44-41-96 is the splits. Very impressive. 59% of pools made field goals are unassisted since Curry's injury. Man, that is a... I mean, Jordan Poole is an absolutely solid player. It's going to be tough without Steph Curry. I get it. Jordan Poole is a, a pretty good player, putting up some fantastic numbers when curry doesn't play but how can you honestly expect i can't anyways i don't know that i can expect the Curryless warriors to win that series against the nuggets nuggets are such a good team i'm sorry even though i'm not a big Jokic fan he's so good and he's the mvp and he wins basketball games he's so impressive and that's not even taking into account are they going to get anyone back Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, I'm curious. That's another thing. I'm curious where they're sitting as far as a timetable. Do they have a chance of returning at all during the playoffs? By all accounts, Steph Curry would be back for the playoffs, it looks like. So if that's the case, if he's going to be back for the playoffs, he's going to be healthy. Now you're talking Clay Thompson. You're talking Steph Curry. You're talking Jordan Poole. Whatever you get from Andrew Wiggins, I'm not even sure what that would be. It's nothing special. He has been. Let's just let's just say he's not been good. Let's be nice about it. So looking at that series, if Steph Curry's healthy, I think I gotta go Warriors. I think he's just too good. If Steph Curry's not healthy, or if there's other injury issues there, I do think that the Nuggets would have a chance to take that series. But where I'm at right now, I am going to stick with the Warriors, with the idea that Steph Curry's back. So now you're talking Suns move on, Wolves move on, Warriors move on, and we would end up taking on the Warriors. And then you have so Mavs-Jazz, and the Jazz have just not been good, right? And with everything going on there, i am got to give that one to the Mavs. So I think you jump into that second round, it's going to be Suns versus Mavs. And I think that's going to be all Suns. It's going to be a good series. Luca makes sure it's a good series, especially you know if you're Luca. I feel like you always have a little bit extra when you're playing the Suns, given they chose Aiton over you. They were obviously grabbing the player they felt was a better fit. I think in terms of what they felt their roster had and what it didn't have. But I'm going. I'm going Suns there. Suns are going to move on. I do think Wolves Warriors would be a fun series. And I. Man, just like I, you know, just like I look at that Nuggets series, could the Nuggets win that series? I think they definitely could. Man, that's so tough when you look at that. I, I'll stick with, I'll stick with the Warriors winning that, and then the Wolves would take on the Warriors if both teams are fully healthy. Man, it's tough for me to say that the Wolves wouldn't have a chance. Let's go wolves let's just let's just have some fun here let's just have some fun here on the howl we're all about positivity in our first episode back it's been a while we're taking the wolves let's do it we'll take the wolves so that would mean the wolves are moving on to the Western Conference finals taking on the suns a team that man for anyone that has hasn't watched those wolves games go back and watch them if you have the ability to I think the wolves in both the most recent games absolutely could have won both games, but the officiating was so bad. The officiating was so bad. Very frustrating, as uh, you know, one of the games at home, and it's just so frustrating for that to happen anywhere, but especially at home. And the refs, the refs, you suck. Chance were very, very audible when watching that game at home. But I do think, you know, if you had a, if you had to pick a team, you got to go Suns here. In fact. Man, when I look at this, when I look at top to bottom the rosters throughout this playoffs, I think it's gonna be tough for me to not pick the Suns to win it all. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna put some money down on a team, I don't think the odds would probably be that great. But if you're gonna put your money down on a team right now that you actually think could win it, not necessarily the best value, I think I'd put my money on the Suns. So then you'd have the Suns beating the Wolves. Suns move on to the finals. Let's take a look over on the Eastern Conference side of things. So again, I predict that the Hornets are going to be the team that moves up, so they'd be the eight seed, and then you have seven seed being the Nets. So Hornets versus the Heat, I think it's going to be a really good series. And ultimately, got to go Heat. I'm not, you know, I'm not a fool. I just think those matchups, the Heat, the Heat are are the better team. I I do think it's going to be a series where the Hornets can probably steal a game or two. So does it go to five or six games? Probably, but ultimately, it is going to be the Heat moving on for me. And then you look at the next game you have Sixers taking on the Raptors. I'm going to go Raptors. Part of the reason being that I'm I'm definitely a bit of a 76ers hater, but that's who I'm going with is Raptors to move on there. Definitely Celtics moving on in the Bulls matchup. And then you have Bucks taking on the Nets. Great matchup. That's going to be a fun series, but I'm going to lean I'm going to lean Bucks. I'm going to lean Bucks there. So in that scenario, and this is obviously based on the fact that the Nets would be the seven seed. I, I do have the Bucks beating the Nets there. So then you have Nets taking on the Celtics in round two. That is going to be, I think arguably that could be the best series to watch. I'm very, very excited to see Bucks celtics That one's going to be a ton of fun, and it's really tough to pick. I think what, man... You know, you talk about two just powerhouse players in Tatum and Giannis. That's a tough one. I like Giannis so much, though. I do think I got to... I'm going to stick with Giannis here. I'm going to go with uh, Giannis winning that matchup there, probably going six or seven games. So we're going to have the Bucks then winning that game. And then you hit the, you look over on the other side of it, and it is the Heat taking on the Raptors. Man, I don't love the Raptors' chances here against the Heat. I'd have the Heat moving on, so Heat would make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, where I would then have the Bucks. So now we're talking Bucks Suns, with the Suns taking it. I think the Suns end up being your NBA champions, and that's that's my prediction segment there. I think that's where I'm going to go with that. Obviously, I'm probably being a little too high on the Wolves, but you know what? You got to put some predictions out there, and you got to have some fun with it, and that's what we're doing here on the Howl. Let's uh, let's jump into some more uh, Wolves information before we end the show. Some things to keep in mind going into the Wolves game again tomorrow. The injury report did come out. Questionable are D'Angelo Russell and Patrick Beverly. Uh, to me, the game doesn't matter. Why are we playing Patrick Beverly under any circumstances at this point? He's been a little bit dinged up. I think he gets held out because I just don't know why you want to play him. It just doesn't make sense. And then D'Angelo Russell, he misses too much time. He's had too many lingering injuries, too many issues. Again, the game doesn't matter. You sit him and... Carl Towns, by the way, has already been listed. He is out, and it is just for rest. Do not worry, and that's the most important thing because now we're going to get some Nas Reed additional minutes, and hopefully uh, the main guy that I want to see some minutes from would be my guy Greg Monroe. I want to see what he can bring to the table. So that's going to be important to watch in that game. I don't remember again. I don't know what all the playoff implications offhand. We just went through them a little bit, but I think the Bulls probably want to try to win that game. Although, man, I can't... No, I believe they're stuck. I believe they're locked in at six. I think that's what we discussed. So if they're locked in at six, that game probably doesn't matter much for them. This is a chance to get some guys some rest, I would guess, for them as well. If you're, if you're going to make a bet, a wager, I would think uh, you got to go Wolves. We have the better depth. Uh, I think it could be a game where you get a big game from Jalen Noel. I don't... You know, you get to a certain point where there's certain players you have to play, right? because you're going to run out of bodies. So who do you rest? Who do you don't rest? It's. I think I'd want to see Malik Beasley get some minutes just because I need him to catch fire. I need him to have a good game and have some fire, have some momentum going into the playoffs. So he's a guy that of the potential starters, depending on how you want to look at it, or as a sixth man. He's a guy that I'd probably want to see play a little bit. Let's see, Jordan McLaughlin, if you can get him uh, some minutes. You know, this is a, an interesting point. Someone brought this up, and they said... If you're the Wolves, do you shorten your roster, or do you shorten, I should say, do you shorten the players that you actually play to, let's say, eight? So you're talking your standard five guys. So let's go down the list, right? So you're talking D'Angelo Russell. You're talking Carl Anthony Towns, Jared Vanderbilt, Anthony Edwards, and Patrick Beverly, right? That's your five starters generally. Maybe it mix and matches a little bit depending on matchups. Maybe you're throwing Jaden McDaniels in there. Maybe you're throwing Malik Beasley in there. Whatever you want to do, that's at seven though. That's seven guys right there, right? And now you're going to add in Torian Prince. I just don't know how you can. I don't know how you can expect to win games if you're not going to use Torian Prince. You have to do it. And that right there, you're already at eight guys. I don't see how eight guys is realistic. How are you running eight guys? How are you doing that? Are you not going to play like? I don't remember the specifics of the post who the person wanted, but you can't go eight. I don't see how you can manage that. It just doesn't. I, to me, I don't think it works especially given the, how prone we are to fouls. Now, again, if you want to go... To me, I think the, the least you can go is nine. Because if you stagger minutes between players like Ant, Beverly, and D'Angelo Russell, I think you're fine point guard-wise if j Mack doesn't play. I don't know that that's the direction that Chris Finch is going to go. j Mack has been so good this season. I have been a hater of J-Mac at times uh, throughout his career. But right now, the man is playing at such a high level. How do you keep him off the court? How do you do it? I don't know. I don't know the answers to this. This is why I'm not the coach. This is why I'm not not an NBA coach. This is why I'm sitting here uh, having these conversations with you here on Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel, here on The Howl. Ultimately, I don't know that Chris Finch is going to make massive changes to the number of players he uses. I do think, though, he's going to Me personally, I would like to see him up the minutes. Which, ultimately, I think that was one of the main points of this person's post on Twitter, was just that you want to see Carl Towns, Anthony Edwards, some of these guys getting more minutes come playoff time, and that I can get behind. That I can 100% get behind. You talk about, you know, you look back at the NCAA tournament, and I believe it was North Carolina, who, if you get into that second half, if I recall, they really don't use anyone else. They use their, the second half, your starters are going to play. To me... I think it's important to use your starters definitely more minutes in that second half, really take advantage there. And you're playing. Let's just look specifically at that Tuesday game. How many times have we seen good defense not making a difference against Paul George? You are going to have to score a lot of points, I think, to win this game against the Clippers. Absolutely going to have to score a ton of points, and you're going to have to rebound the basketball. So if I'm Chris Finch, these are all the things that I'm taking into account when I decide who's going to play and who's not. And again, a lot, of, a lot of stuff that's going to be dictated is out of your control. Does Carl Towns get into foul trouble? Does Jared Vanderbilt get into foul trouble? What is the impact of that? Chris Finch has been on the record, and we've seen it time and time again, where he, and he has a good point with this. When your players get into foul trouble, does it make sense to pull them early on and save them for later? Because what you're, in effect, doing is you're doing exactly what would happen if you lost the player anyways. But yet you haven't lost that player, so you're handicapping yourself, and you don't need to do that. He's been pretty good about that, but we had that game recently where Carl Towns had three fouls, and immediately in the second half, he gets his fourth. These are things that make a difference, and let's not pretend Carl Towns gets a friendly whistle. We all know he doesn't. And actually, that actually brings up another point I do want to touch on. A lot of people want Carl Towns to be the exception to the rule if you look top to bottom bottom to top across the NBA there is not a superstar player in the NBA that does not complain most of those other players if not all of them aside from Towns get calls and we're not talking just superstar calls they get those but regular calls how many times this this most recent game we just had there was a a stretch where Carl Towns drove in three straight possessions and got fouled on every single one of them and did not get a single call. On the opposing possession, the other team got a foul on all three possessions right after Towns couldn't get a foul, and they were weak, absolutely weak fouls. What kind of a role is that going to play in the Wolves' success or lack thereof in the play-in? Slash the playoffs. To me, that's really important. I don't know, I don't know the answers there. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But something's got to come ahead. And here's the reason I, one of the reasons I bring this up. I'm so sick of fans, media, whoever, singling out Carl Towns and getting upset with him when he reacts. I'm sorry, but you're lying. If you think you're going to play basketball games night in and night out, get jobbed by the officials constantly... And you're going to sit there and just take it? Who? What kind of a person are you if you can just take that nonstop and do nothing about it? I don't. I don't understand how you can claim that. And especially when you talk about flagrant fouls, the flagrant fouls that Carl Towns has been getting called for are just outrageous. How about this last game? I'm sorry, but one of the worst flops you ever see. The guy fakes getting hit in the groin. He absolutely fakes it. It did not happen. He f- completely fakes it. And I'm supposed to then the referees go to the monitor and they confirm the call. They call it, they call it a flagrant foul. Are you kidding me? Not only should it have not been a foul, but there's no way it should have been a uh, there's no way it should have been a flagrant foul. And that's the second time that's happened. And it's complete BS. And it's so frustrating as a fan, and you're watching this, and you're telling me that Carl Towns, the amount of times that that happens to him, he's supposed to just take it? I'm sorry, but that's re- absolutely ridiculous, that he is the one player in the league that has to just take it. I just, I don't know the answer to it, but for to judge him for not being able to put up with it as much as he does is ludicrous, because there's not a single player in the NBA superstar-wise that's going to do the same thing. You ever watch Chris Paul play? You ever watch Luka Doncic play? They complain all the time, and yet they get calls constantly. How about watching Joel Embiid? You think Joel Embiid doesn't complain? That guy gets more calls than anybody. James Harden gets more calls than anybody, and they're constantly complaining. And these are guys that have the benefit of the doubt of getting good calls on both ends. Carl Towns gets an unfriendly whistle on offense. He gets an unfriendly whistle on defense. And you're telling me that he has to just take it. At a certain point, you know what? It's, it's a little tough to do that. There was an interaction last game where Carl Towns was just fed up and he was yelling and he even got into it a little bit with Patrick Beverly. I don't know who noticed this. Patrick Beverly was telling him to stop and just to calm down, and he was mad. And I don't blame him. I don't know what the answer is there. I know people want to rip towns, but I don't think that I know that's not the answer. I don't know how he To me, what would be beneficial is for the Wolves to sit down with the officials at some point. It's not going to happen, obviously, this season. Maybe it happens on the offseason. But somebody needs to sit down from the organization, sit down, make a, they need to make a, just a, a long video. They need to cut it up, and they need to show, bring, it, bring the video to the officials. I would love it. I would love to be in that room. I'll do it if they don't want to. Someone needs to sit down with the officials and walk through these different plays, and I want the officials, while, while Carl Towns is sitting there, or maybe that's not realistic, but someone from the team, sitting down with these officials, and I want that official to explain how they made that call. And then I want to have video from other players in the league doing the exact same thing and say, all right, that's fair. You're going to call it? Why isn't it called there? And why isn't it called there consistently? Why can Joel Embiid do it? Why can Luka Doncic do it? Why can all these top-to-bottom superstar players, why can they all do the exact same things that Carl Towns does, but he's the exception to the rule? And if you don't think he's the exception to this rule, if you don't think he's officiated different than other players, then either you're naive or you're not paying attention. You're not watching the games. And I'm fired up about this for a reason. I have had run-ins with officials throughout my years, whether it was as a player, whether it was as a coach. And I'll tell you this. One thing that bugs me so much, I don't like referee apologists. I have no time for that. If you're a referee apologist, this is not the show for you. This is not the radio show for you, because I don't have time for it. And don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I have friends. I have a good friend that is one of the top officials in the state of Minnesota. Referees, big-time games, and it's not the same thing. I get it. It is not the same thing as the NBA, but I do understand, and I've had conversations with officials, and I'm more than happy to sit down with them and go over conversations. I, w- I think it's important to have this conversation because if you think an official is going to get every call right all the time, it's not going to happen. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about consistently, time and time again, wrong, 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 wrong. Or, the way I see it, different, 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 different. They are being they are officiating Carl Towns differently than all the other players, and I don't understand it, and I don't know what it's going to take to get it to change. But yelling at Towns and making it seem like he's part of the problem, I think is complete BS. I think that's a good spot to end it, though. I think we've covered a lot on this week's edition of the Howl. Thanks again for tuning in on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Again, for anyone that wants to follow us, we can be found on at the Howell Radio on Twitter as well as on Instagram and Nothing But Net, the our official channel of Dash Radio. We are the all basketball, all the time, and you definitely want to tune into all the great shows and all the great partnerships we have going right now on the channel and with Dash Radio. And until next time, let me get a howl.